This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. Appreciate you being with me. And I do look forward to doing the podcast every week. Uh, I do it two, three times a, day, a week, and Justin does it the others. So, you know, we are ending the third quarter. Only got, what, two more weeks? I think that's eight more trading days left in third quarter. And then we're moving into October, the fourth quarter. The fourth and first quarter of the year are always better than the two middle quarters, traditionally, statistically. The winter and and uh, the uh, fall and winter quarters are always generally better than the summer, spring and summer. So that's just the statistics, right? That does not mean that it's going to go up. But I'll be happy to get out of the summer quarter, that's for sure. 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. You can call right now. This, that number is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My name is Steve Peasley, and I want you to give me a call. Any financial questions you have, I'm willing to discuss. Most people call about stocks. Okay, I have data for that, and that's fine. But if you have any other financial questions, we can talk about it. My focus point today, what's the what's your real inflation rate, your personal real inflation rate? Because the way they do it, it's just a broad overview of what inflation is, but maybe yours is different. Did you know that they have an inflation rate for elderly people? They've been keeping track of? Do you know what that is? Do you think it's higher or lower? We'll talk about that when that comes up around. That'll be the main uh, focus of our discussion later on this, in the hour. Uh, I have other things we're going to talk about. I want to talk about stagflation, the housing starts number, and the pending uh, uh, pending. Um, you got what we have is we have housing starts tomorrow. We have the existing home uh, sales, and we have the permits. Permits. Permits is the most important. We'll talk about the housing permits, construction permits. Uh, the Fed meeting ends tomorrow. Maybe we'll get to a little bit to talk about that. And Germany says they have 90% of what they need for surviving the coming winter and energy, natural gas, oil, or whatever it is. But then they're going to be empty by then. I, I have to. I just have to mention, they are. they are, I think they're being very, Foolish about their energy policy. We'll talk about that. So those are going to be the things we're going to discuss. But, of course, you come first. You know, we have a couple of voice bank questions, one on FedEx, Federal Express, another one on Mosaic Company. So I'm sure we'll get to those. And, of course, my trivia question is going to be about gold today. Gold. Do you know how much gold they have in Fort Knox? Do you know how much it's worth? So that's going to be my trivia question. 
So it's got pretty big, pretty pretty full day today, as we usually do. I try to make it full and make it interesting, but your live calls drives the show. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART. The market was down today. Dow was down 313 points, and NASDAQ down 110, and the S&P down 44. So the market is still not not feeling well. I, you know, when the the Federal Reserve keeps pushing rates up, the market's not going to like it. It doesn't like it. It doesn't like that, you know, uh, that that increase of rates that the Fed is doing to slow the economy. If you slow the economy, corporate earnings go down. That's why the market doesn't like it. I mean, the companies they own or buy or want to buy, they don't necessarily, you know, their, their earnings are going to go down. So the stock prices are worth less. Companies are worth less. That's how they see it. Of course... How do you see it? Love to talk to you. Let's go ahead and get to our first, uh, the first uh, question of the day. Hi, this is Mike from Indiana, and I just wanted to ask about FedEx. Back on March 2nd, Justin said that FedEx would be a screaming buy below 170. At the time, the price was about 220. And uh, now that we're below 170, is it still a screaming buy? I don't own it, but looking at it, hoping to pick up shares at a good price. Thank you. From a valuation point of view, it's at a pretty good value. Their earnings are going to be $16.74 next year after being $20.61 this year, and it's $157 stock. So that's at the low end of its range of PE. Now, the question is, how much damage is going to be done to FedEx with uh, interest rates rising and competition coming from Amazon. That's really the big unknown. That's why it took a huge dump, right, when they came out with their projections and earnings and projections, and they weren't nearly as good as they expected. So is it a good buy? I think it's a pretty decent buy at this rate. Dividend yields at 2.9%. Cash flow is almost $29 a share. So uh, it's still, sales are growing, uh, grew last quarter 8%, but the most recent quarter, the quarter before it's grew 8%, most recent quarter, see, and the projections are pretty weak. So don't be in a rush to buy it. You don't have to be. Just take your time. It still looks like it's weak. Uh, you want to see a chart recover before you jump into FedEx, symbol is FDX, everybody. We're heading into a quick break. Justin Klein and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love talking to you live. We like live calls. Our number never changes. It's always the same at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't 
lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 Anytime Listener Line at 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So what is your real inflation rate? We know what the overall inflation rate, you know, 8.3% for August, and we know that's up one tick, one tick up, and that's the CPI, Consumer Price Index. So, and we know that, we know that the PPI was down a little bit, but we're talking about the CPI. That's what you and I are paying. Even though, remember, that's an overall inflation rate of the, what, 1,000 items that they check every month to see what prices go up. But that may not be what you feel, okay? If you're younger, you're going to feel inflation probably higher because of what you spend money on. If you're older, it's going to be different. Matter of fact, there is an older inflation rate. It's called a CPIE, elder. CPIE, okay? Um, Consumer Price Index for the Elderly. I guess I'm included in that since it's age 62 and over, 62 and up, okay? They've been keeping track of the CPIE since 1982. So that's almost, what, 40 years? So do you think the CPIE is bigger than the CPI? By the way, for everybody, it's called the CPIU, I guess for universal. I don't know what the U stands for, really. But there's a CPIE and a CPIU, which includes elderly, young, it's over over everybody. So the CPI elderly came in in August at 7.95, so a bit below the 8.3 of the overall CPI. So why is that? Well, they pay they buy things different than than the other 62 and younger crowd. So, and do you do know, you do realize, I don't know how many years ago, but they changed like, I don't know, 20 years ago, how they calculated the CPI in general. And that drove it down probably three to three-tenths of a percent, four-tenths of a percent. I read an article, and I just can't remember how much it changed the number over time. But the CPI is actually, if you calculate the old way, it would be a lot higher than it is the way they calculate it today. So, you know, you have to figure it out yourself. What you could do to figure this out is come up with a spreadsheet if you want to track everything you spent on. See, younger people probably spend a lot more money on eating out, coffee. Older people brew their own and make more meals. But older people spend more money on health care. Than younger people, so there's different. So you, you got to figure out what your own personal rate of inflation is if you really have that kind of interest. Otherwise, using the CPI is good enough. Okay. My focus point concerns behind the. No, I'm not done. Let's keep moving things along. Voice bank caller question came in eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, this is Kevin calling from La Crescenta, California. Thank you again for answering all our questions and all your information. I have a question regarding uh, the Mosaic Company. I know it's 
been talked about a couple of times. And in the past, I believe it was considered something that they get or a hedge against inflation and they're overall a good company. I'm trying to see if you do consider it a, as a good hedge against inflation. And if so, with the Fed kind of intent on decreasing inflation or killing inflation, even would you actually consider hedges against inflation a bad idea for investment at this time? As if you hedge against inflation, it will actually, and they're bringing down inflation, it's actually a bad time to get into it. And then overall, just what are your thoughts on the Mosaic Company and other investments that are hedges against inflation? Thank you for your time. I'll look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thanks. Well, this is Mosaic Company, MOS. They are manufacturers phosphate fertilizer, feed phosphate, and potash fertilizers sold worldwide. They're a nineteen close to a nineteen billion dollar company, so a big cap company. I don't think I don't think it would be a hedge against inflation. I, I don't traditionally, you know, I, I don't think it is a hedge. Commodity type stocks generally do better in inflationary times than the overall market. So in that sense, you could say they're a hedge against inflation, but it's not a very good hedge. It's not any, I would not consider it a hedge. And historically, a hedge against inflation would be precious metals, but not this year. That's because the dollar has gone up very strong. So that, you know, that, that historically has been a hedge against inflation, but didn't work this year which you would think it would. So I'm not sure where you're going to be able to go to hedge against inflation. Historically, stocks, when inflation hits, stock com- stock corporations increase their prices to stay ahead or equal to inflation. Therefore, stocks generally do good in an inflationary period. But we're also going into a possible recession. I think we're in a recession and therefore, the real question is, are we entering a period of stagflation? And I kind of think we are. So I'm going to get to that. So Mosaic itself is a very, very good value play. It's a $54 stock going to make $10.98 next year. That means, what, the a 5 P.E. ratio, and the five-year range is 5 to 141. Return on equity is 19%, pays a small dividend, management owns 1%. Mutual funds have been buying fairly strong over the last year. Uh, so I, I notice how well it's held up during this period, during this year, actually. If you even look at the whole year, it's up. So I like it still. I still think it's a good, solid company. So that's Mosaic, M-O-S, fertilizer maker. We're heading into a break. I welcome your financial investment questions now. So call. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Okay, let's go talk to Sammy in San Francisco. Wants to talk about Google. Hi, Sammy. 
Uh, hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I'm just calling in to get, get your point of view on Google. What would be a good entry point? It seems to be going down <laughs> um, yeah. the last uh, few weeks. So I uh, would love to hear from you. I like Google. Uh, I like it a lot. I think around the $100 area, I think it, that's where is a good buy point, right? It's at 101.83. So I think this is the area that you pick up Google. There's been lots of support for it at around 100, 102, 105. 104, you know, and it's bounced off of those numbers up. Today it's a hundred almost 102. So I think this is a good buy point. That doesn't mean it won't go down more, but earnings are going to go up, and you're going to Google has a 20 PE in the range. A five-year range is 20 to 36. So it's at the bottom of its range. So if you have a 20 PE. If it does do a 20 p in next year's earnings of $6, that's $120 stock. It's at 101 now. So the P.E. range would have to be lower than his five-year average, and that's possible, and I think it, it could very well do that, but you cannot say this is not a bargain at this price. It is a bargain at this price. So the question is, will it become more of a bargain? If it is, I'd buy more. I would. We own Google and some of our managed accounts. Our return equity is twenty nine percent, so it's very you know it's a, it's a really good company to have. It's one of those it's one of those stocks you want to buy and just hold on to it for a long time. Google, G O O G, or it could be Alphabet Inc. Actually, I don't know why they changed their name. But why couldn't they stay with Google? Sam, appreciate the call. Thank you, Sammy. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Housing starts came in at $158 million. They expected it to be $150, and it was $140 last month, the month before. So this is August number. So $158. So it actually went up. Permits, however, they were $169 last month. They expected to go to 162, and it came in. I'm not 100, 1.69 million. They expected to be 1.62, and it came in at 1.52. So permits went down, and that's the leading economic indicators. Permits. So the pre the housing starts were because they had lots of permits, and they're starting the houses. But that remember is a lagging indicator where permits is a leading economic indicator. We're going to have tomorrow existing home sales. They expect it to be $4.68 million, down from $4.81 million. Now, part of this is, uh, you know, we there was a shortage of houses. But with mortgage rates now, what, nearing 6%, and tomorrow the Fed raising the Fed funds rate, probably drive mortgage rates up a little bit more. I'm pretty sure you're going to see mortgage rates 30-year fixed firmly set in the 6, 6% area in a month or two from now. That's what I think, anyways. And that's not going to help housing. Even though, historically, that's still a very low mortgage rate. I mean, I think 8 I think eight percent or so, 7 8% is the, is the long, long-term average for 30-year fixed mortgage rates. I'm going to have to look that up to confirm that. But I know that, you know, if 5 and 6% is still pretty low, even though it may not feel like it to you people who are just getting into the housing market. Housing costs are pretty high, but they're softening, definitely softening. Okay, so when people take the time to leave a Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by giving them their question 
get into it pretty quickly. So how, this is from Randall, 1951. How do you determine a good business? I read that Warren Buffett has said, if he were teaching a college business course, the one thing that he'd teach is how to recognize a good business. So how do you determine a good business? Well, it's not impossible. It's pretty, it's pretty I don't want to say it's easy. You just got to do some work. A good business is one in which they have what they call a, a high moat. Okay, a moat is, is it difficult for competitors to compete with this business? In other words, what is their cost of entry into the business? Well, I'll give you an example. What would be the cost to start a new car company? What would be the cost to start to compete with Coca-Cola or Pepsi? It would be very expensive to get to that level to compete. So that would be a difficult moat. Or a drug company where they have a, a stable of drugs. Now you had to come up with your own. That would be difficult. That's a moat. Trying to you know take business away from the bigger company. So there's one thing. You want a company that is a company that has a stability of earnings and sales. Sales and earnings, stability. A company whose margins are not going down. They are either stable or going up. Margins mean profit margins. You want a company that has sales and producing enough income or earnings to pay dividends. And can they do it over a long period of time? So, you know, the, it, it, good businesses, are, there's a lot of other factors, but good return on equity, return on, you know, all, there's all kinds of other factors that is, is easy to find. There's lots of books out there about it. Okay. Fort Knox, Fort Knox is a U.S. Uh, bullion, gold bullion depository in Kentucky. It is said to contain 147 million ounces of gold. So, as we go to break, here's my trivia question. Only one U.S. president has ever set foot inside Fort Knox. Only one president. Who is he? How much gold do they have in there? How much is it worth today? 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So before the break, I had a trivia question for you. Only one U.S. president has ever, foot, foot, has ever set foot inside Fort Knox. And who was that president? Okay. And what is the estimated value of the gold in Fort Knox at today's prices? Only one U.S. president has been there, and it is Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt commissioned the construction of Fort Knox in the 1930s. Reportedly because the Treasury worried that U.S. gold reserves weren't safe from an enemy invasion. So he traveled to Fort Knox to make an inspection in 1943, about seven years after construction of the vault was completed. The last time Fort Knox opened its vault to civilians was 1974, when a congressional delegation and some journalists got a look at the gold. So it's a, it's a big building. It's pretty hefty. It's a 4,200 cubic yards of concrete, 16,000 cubic yards of granite, 750 tons of reinforced steel, 670 tons of structural steel. It, it's pretty hefty. The roof is said to be bomb-proof. The main vault, vault weighs, uh, the main vault door weighs 20 tons and is 21 inches thick. The trader says no one person knows the entire combination of the door to get in. The cost of construction was $560,000. It's 1930s dollars, okay? Adjusted for today's, for inflation today, it's about $11 million. There's lots of guards. It's in the middle of an army post. There, there is the Fort Knox is guarded by the U.S. Mint Police, one of the oldest federal law enforcement agencies. They were established in 1792. So about the value of the gold, each bar that's there is 27 pounds, each bar. In today's world, the gold of Fort Knox is estimated to be worth about 525, I'm sorry, $252 billion. So I have a question for you. If no one has seen it, no one's allowed in, 
and then the combination lock is spread about the deaf and people. How do you know the gold's really there? No one's seen this in 1974. Okay, how do you know something is real if you don't see it? Maybe it got stolen. <laughs> I don't know. But why isn't someone, they, shouldn't there be an independent audit every so often to make sure it's still there? Just a question. Okay, let's swing back to Investor Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at our Intertime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Ernie, and I'm calling from Lemoore Naval Base in Central California, and I'm calling about a ticker symbol, SQM. Uh, it's one of the largest lithium producers in the world, if not the largest. And out of all the companies I analyze, I feel that this one fundamentally is the strongest. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on it and what's a good entry point. I already have a half a position in and love the show. Keep doing what you do. Thank you. Well, I think I, I like it. Now, the problem is it's in Chile. It's not a U.S. producer of lithium. Chilean producer of specialty fertilizers, iodine, industrial chemicals, and other products sold worldwide. A $30 billion company is traded on our exchange. It's SQM. It's Soledad Comiaca Minra. Okay, I, I, I'm sorry about that. I don't know how to pronounce these things. It's going to make $12.75 a share this year after making $2.05 a share last year. Next year, it's $12 a share. It's a $104 stock. Pays a 3.4% dividend. Return to equity is 22%, which is very good. Um, mutual funds have been buyers, and I kind of like it. Sales have increased 200% in the March quarter, over 300% in the June quarter. I'm not sure what they're going to report this quarter. But it's a $104 stock, $104.66, going to make $12 next year. I think that's a pretty reasonable price. That's a good value. All right? That's less than 10 and the five-year range is 10 to 86. I kind of like it. I like it. Now, notice the price is not nothing but go up. It's, I mean, the, the weakest, is, it has gone down to close to $80. It did that in June somewhere. Uh, let me take a closer look at that, see when that happened. Yeah, it got down to, in April, down to 71. And then in late June, early July, got down to 80. And today it's 104. So it probably will have another downstroke, and that would be a great opportunity um, if that happens. You need to buy more, or for you to buy more, for other people to enter on a position. SQM. $30 billion company. It's not small. The only problem is it's out of Chile. Now, Chile has a stable government, by the way. They've had a pretty stable government. And that's the only worry I would have. How stable are they? Okay, let's make it two in a row. Another caller question from uh, 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, gentlemen, and thank you for your service. My question is, do you use stock screeners? And if so, how would you set up a stock screener? I currently use E-Trade and am able to screen stocks based on everything from the basic industry to detailed financial information. But I just wanted your opinion on how to most effectively utilize a stock screener and possibly shed some light on your favorite industry, please. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. 
Yes, we use stock screeners. We buy data and we build our own stock screeners and they're pretty much our stock screeners and we don't really share how we build those necessarily. Um, but yes, we do. Um, there are Finviz, F-I-N-V-I-Z out there. They have a pretty good stock screener um, that it's free. Um, I've recommended that website before, finviz.com. Um, and you have to decide what you want. Are you looking for value stocks? Are you looking for a big blue chip stocks that have value? Are you looking for commodities? Are you looking for a big blue chip commodity stocks with growth and value? Or maybe you want dividends. You, you, know, you, you can build a million different types of screeners, screeners depending on what you want and what seems to be effective in the environment we're in. Now, you've heard me say over and over, and Justin has said it over and over, we kind of like the commodity sector. We're looking at value stocks and have been for the last couple of years. Value, value. Uh, not growth. Not growth, but value. We Now, we don't, don't get me wrong. We like value stocks to have growth. That's perfectly fine with us. Matter of fact, we prefer that. But you have to decide what type of stocks you're interested in. Okay, so it's hard to tell you that. We're almost at summer's end, everybody. Fall is coming up pretty fast. Halloween, Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, and other you know great holidays. I think I'd have to say my favorite is Halloween. I think I mentioned that before um, because you know I like the food, the family, the get-togethers. I like all that stuff, and I don't have to go out and buy presents. I like that too. That's hard for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's hard for me to find good presents for people. But we are going to have volatility because the Fed is raising rates, and they're going to continue to do that. You know they are, so you have to pay attention to your positions, your stock positions. I'm not saying get out. I'm not, I'm not even close to saying that. But I am saying that you need to pay attention to your portfolio. And one thing, is you, one thing we've talked is... It's not timing the market, it's time in the market, but you do have to be in the sectors that will benefit, you want to be in sectors that will benefit the most, and you want to take as much risk as you're comfortable with, not more risk than you're uncomfortable with, and you can, how do you determine that? Well, we can help you with that, but it's not that hard. If you feel like you've got to get out of a stock because it, it, it went down, that means you're taking too much risk because you don't get out of stocks just because they go down. That's not the reason to get out of a stock. Now, if it's gone down because sales are suffering and, and the competitor is taking away their market share, nope, okay, then you can you can have legitimate reasons. But if you need help with that, that's what we're here, we're here for. It. We we remember we practice what we call parallel investing. We buy the same things for ourselves as we do our clients. So we do all the, the work to find those stocks that we think is the best in the situation we're in. And we don't mind buying them. We want to buy them. I want to buy them. But we also buy them for our clients. Same price, same time, same percentage. So that we're all on the same side of the table. If you want help, you want someone to take a look at your portfolio to see if it matches how much risk you want. See if you're in the sectors that we think are good and away from sectors we think are not the time to be in them. We'll be happy to take a look and see what we can do and tell you what we think. We do that all the time. So I think within a few minutes you'll understand why we're a little bit different because we really do want to help people. 
We do. We want to manage our money, too. I'm not making that a secret or trying to pretend that that's not real. It is. But we don't have to manage your money. We just want to. So, the sooner you contact us, the better. Go to investtalk.com. You can either send us your portfolio. We can set up a time to meet via, uh, you know, video chat, any way, shape, or form. You know, or just on the phone. That's fine, too. So give us a call. 888-99 Charter is our number. We're taking questions, live questions right now. And we love to talk to you. So give us a call. Stagflation is probably coming. Okay? There's been a lot of smart people starting to talk about stagflation. That's where, you know, you have inflation and the economy is not growing. Okay. So we know that the economy didn't grow, the GDP for the, you know, so we're total, if you define a a recession by the last two quarters, we are in a recession. And we have inflation, lots of inflation. Isn't that the definition of stagflation? How do we get out of that? How is that? We've been in it before. How do we get out of it before? How we got out of it before is we, you know, we killed inflation by raising rates to unsustainable amounts that just tanked the economy. At the same time, we lowered taxes dramatically. That's how we defeated it last time. I don't know how we're going to defeat it this time. The Fed thinks they can make a nice soft landing. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with that. Hopefully they can do it. We'll see. Now the Fed meets as meeting today. And we're going to see the results of the meeting tomorrow. Now, just so you know, the last two meetings they have, one in June and one in July, they increased the Federal Reserve, Fed funds rate by 0.75%. Okay, so now we'll see what they're going to do tomorrow. Everybody, the prediction is another 0.75%. Some speculate maybe 1%. I think if they do 1%, the market's not going to like it. I also think the market's expecting that 0.75%, so I don't think the market's going to react that bad to it if that's what the result is. I think the market's already expected that and already built in the prices for that. Doesn't necessarily mean the market will go up, but it, it could very likely do so. Depends on what the Fed says afterwards. The Fed has very hawkish and said, we're probably going to continue to raise and raise, you know, yeah, then that might be a problem. So we'll see. Let's go to Jay in Redwood City. Hi, Jay. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Steve? Yes. Yes, I can. Great. 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 Thank you. Uh, what, first of all, thank you very much for the show. Very informative. I, I listen to you quite often. Thank you. And uh, I had a question. You're welcome. I do have a question about TNK. I hold a small position, T, Thomas, Nancy, Key, um, have a small position, and I'm wondering, it's been coming up, coming up, and uh, looking at a long-term uh, chart, it, it has a lot of potential to uh, keep going up, but I'm, I'm wanting to see what's, what's your opinion on this. Okay, this is TK Tankers, TNK, out of Bermuda, provides international crude oil and petroleum products transportation services with a fleet of 53 owned owned ships. Okay, uh, they're going to make $3.80 this year, but next year, $6.53 a share. And that's why it's jumping up so much, because sales have dramatically increased, and they, they're benefiting from it, from the high oil prices. 
their $31.58 stock going to make $6.53. But these kind of companies, these tanker companies, are very volatile over time. They're very volatile. The the high that I see in 2015 was $68 a share. And that year, they made $10.88 a share. The next year, they made $3.84. That's 2016. And then 2017, they lost $0.88 a share. 2018, they lost $1.63 a share. And then they made money in 2019. That's that's how they, you know, they're very volatile. Okay, if you can catch them right, you can do very well. But you got to be careful because I, I don't think it's a long-term hold uh, because of the volatility. Uh, they have negative cash flow of $1.12 a share. But um, I, think, I think you don't necessarily look at the fundamentals of this company at this time i think you look at the chart the chart says it's going higher okay um, and i think you gotta follow it up with a stop in other words if it turns down on you you got to get out because it's very this company is very very volatile it's a billion dollar company so just be careful of it because it swings up and down from year to year to year thanks for the call appreciate it jay thank you on the next Invest Talk, the story behind the headlines, three things to expect heading into the next stage of the housing market downturn. That's tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein Investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. Just wanted to get your opinion on Ford Motor Company, ticker symbol F. Today, I'm, as I'm leaving this message on September 20th, they're down, got 10% on the day, currently about $13.45. And uh, I was wondering if you feel this is a good time to get into that company or if you feel like better to be patient and perhaps the the stock could drop a bit further. I guess we are waiting for the Fed meeting and so forth. But in particular, I know Ford's down (laughs) substantially more than the market, at least for the day. So uh, obviously you may not get to this answer for a couple more days. But anyhow, uh, just your overall feeling on uh, Ford Motor Company. Okay, thanks again. Look forward to hearing your answer. Bye. So the reason why it's down sharply today, the symbol's F, by the way, Ford Motor Company, is because of their forecast. Their forecast was pretty negative, and that scared investors, and they got out. Okay, what, down 11% today, down to $13.09? They're going to make $2.07 a share this year, next year $1.98. But Ford and all, all auto companies are very cyclical in nature. And, you know, their Ford is, I think, doing quite well with its electric electric car lineup, uh, doing quite well. But so is GM, and of course the big competitor is Tesla that they're fighting to get market share. 
And Tesla did lose market share. I don't know if you noticed that, but they did lose market share. But the whole world market for electric vehicles is, is growing fast. I think it's like, what, 5% now? 5-something percent of the auto sold now? Still small by comparison, but it's growing fast. A year ago, it was 25 or so. So it's growing very fast. Um, I would be patient for Ford. Uh, very cyclical. We're moving into a slow time. And Fed's raising interest rates. And, of course, that means car sales might suffer because of financing costs. I don't think there's a big hurry to get into any stocks right at this point. There's some bargains out there that I would be interested in. But, you know, until the Fed gives some kind of hint that that they're off the warpath or that we see inflation starting to ease a little bit, I don't think there's a big rush to get into any stocks. Okay? I really don't. So so just watch it. I'm not, I'm not keen on auto stocks. I don't like them in general. Okay? Two areas I don't like. I don't like auto and I don't like airline. If you want to know why generally I don't like them, I'll be happy to share that. I've shared it before. Germany says they have, a, they have 90% of what they will need to survive the winter. Okay? Uh, as far as it comes to energy, natural gas, oil, coal, whatever it is that they need. At the same time, I saw that they're closing two more nuclear power plants. Remember, they want to get rid of all their nuclear power plants. I can't, I can't explain to you how stupid this is. I, I don't know if I can tell you that this is like the stupidest thing in the world when they rely on Russian natural gas and oil, rely on it for heating their homes and heating their factories and producing electricity, and at the same time, they're cutting down and cutting out the cleanest areas of, of electricity that they, they make, nuclear. I understand the arguments against nuclear. I just don't buy it. But here they are in a crisis, and they're still shutting down their nuclear power plants. Why don't they just put that on freeze right now and keep the power plants they need <laughs> to produce electricity? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems the, the dumbest thing that a government can do. And it certainly is not going to help the, the people of Germany. I mean, the people in Germany are going to looking at, you know, high, much higher cost. And here you are, one of the cheapest, cheapest way to produce energy is nuclear, and you're going to sh- keep shutting down nuclear power plants. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. And it's the cleanest energy out there. I don't get it. Believe me, I understand the fear but the fear is unreasonable. I'm Steve Peasel, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Our official uh, Investop downloads count has surpassed 45 million, and I want to thank all the new listeners and all the people that have been loyal listeners for doing so, making pushing us up to those numbers. So thank you very much. You can get your Invest Talk uh, podcast anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And if you do get it through iTunes, we would like you to rate us, review, and rate the podcast. The positive rating helps our profile. We like that. Independent thing and share success, everybody. This is Invest Talk. Have a great night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. 
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.